Hey, welcome to Spiniverse, everybody. And we are in another double portion. Believe it or not, we've got Ahare Mot Kedoshim. We're actually in a run of three out of four weeks of double portions because at some point you kind of feel like the Torah reading cycle is also maybe in a little bit of a rush to finish up Leviticus and move on to numbers. So here's where we're at. I'm Rabbi Josh. I'm the Hill Director at Goucher Hillel. Uh, my name is Leah. I'm the Goucher Hill co-president. My name is Ryan. I'm the Goucher Hillel Shabbat co-chair. All right. And uh, oh, just a quick rundown. Pronouns, he, him, she, her, and she, her. So here we are back with another portion. And uh, it's an interesting one this week. Decided to go with a little bit of the more uh, relatable material. So... Here we go. Who wants to read our summary of our double portion? Uh, in the Torah portion, God speaks to Moses after the death of Aaron's two sons, who were killed for coming too close to the presence of God. God instructs Moses and Aaron on the procedures surrounding Yom Kippur. God describes all the laws surrounding sexual prohibitions. In Gedoshim, God describes to Moses many ethical and ritual laws aimed at helping people live lives of holiness. The laws described include some of those recorded in the Ten Commandments, such as respecting one's parents, keeping the Sabbath, and not stealing. God also introduces laws about farming and about belief in supernatural beings. All right. There's a lot in there. Um, we're not going to do Ahare Mot. I have to kind of pick and choose because, you know, we only have for so much time. Um, but I will say, you know, given particularly some of the context we've gotten into in the past couple of weeks. Um, I will mention that Aharimot, including in the sexual prohibitions, includes what's tr traditionally understood as a prohibition against homosexuality between men. And um, I'm not going to get into it, particularly because I don't, I think that it can be triggering. Um, and I don't think, you know, necessarily getting into it each year is, is always the best thing. But I do want to say that at the bottom of our sheet, I do have some interesting resources, some rereading, some contextualized uh, re-understandings of those verses, um, particularly by members of the queer community that I think are very interesting. And if you do want to get into it, absolutely, you know, go on the sheet and look at that. We're going to go ahead and focus on the holiness code, which is uh, Kedoshim. It starts, even the name of the portion is Kedoshim, like you shall be holy for I am holy. And um, to those who are who look at the Bible again as being written by different sources and kind of patched together, this portion is actually written by a different source than the priestly source. So you'll kind of see that in some way in the, in the, um, the wording and just the style of it and the content as well, that it's, it's kind of able to be really distinct from the rest of Leviticus. And then Leviticus kind of closes back up after Kedoshim with some more leviticus -y kind of stuff, priestly kind of stuff. So we'll jump right into it. Let's get in there and see some Kadoshim. All right, Leah, I think you're up with this next one. So we're going to read kind of a longish portion that we can get into the details because it's a bunch of different laws in here and some of them are still kind of in practice. Um, when you reap the harvest of your land, you shall not reap all the way to the edges of your field or gather the gleanings of your harvest. You shall not pick your vineyard bear or gather the fallen fruit of your vineyard. You shall leave them for the poor and the stranger. I, the Lord, am your God. You shall not steal. You shall not deal deceitfully or falsely with one another. You shall not swear falsely 
by my name, profaning the name of your God, I am the Lord. You shall not defraud your fellow. You shall not commit robbery. The wages of a laborer shall not remain with you until morning. You shall not insult the deaf or place a stumbling block before the blind. You shall fear your God, I am the Lord. You shall not render an unfair decision. Do not favor the poor or show difference to the rich. Judge your kinsmen fairly. Do not deal barely with your countrymen. Do not profit by the blood of your fellow. I am the Lord. You shall not hate your kinsfolk in your heart. All right. Thus far, this little portion. So, oh, there's one more verse. Sorry. Yep. Uh, um, reprove your kinsman, but incur no guilt because of him. You shall not take vengeance or bear grudge against your countrymen. Love your fellow as yourself. I am the Lord. That last part being one of the most famous verses in the whole Torah. Love your fellow as yourself. All right. So there's actually a lot in there. Some of that may be familiar to you. Some may not be. Um, but what do you see? And what's your reaction to some of that text? I think it needs some review by many people in our uh, world right now. As in like these would be good reels for, to live by just in general? Well, like it seems pretty basic, but when you look at what's happening in the world, apparently some people find it a lot more difficult than it actually is. Anyway. Like obviously the world's more complicated than it's made out to be in a text, but at the end of the day, it's like, don't be a jerk don't treat people unfairly don't when you look at the part about someone who's blind or someone who's deaf don't treat people who may struggle differently from you don't intentionally make things difficult for them it's something that's not hard to translate to modern times mm -hmm. in many ways yeah a little easier mm -hmm. than uh blood sprinkling on the altar yeah, and I think that's interesting because there are some parts of the Torah that do kind of shine through over time as being like, oh yeah, this is where like a lot of our modern ethics and morals, at least they should, do come from. Um, that part that you mentioned about not insulting the deaf or placing a stumbling block before the blind. Um, how do you take that verse? What do you take it to mean? Literal or figurative is my question, I guess. Both. Um, I, when I took my freshman year, when I took special education 100 introduction to special education, we talked about the history of special education and we did talk about how going back, obviously in the history, everything is different, but Judaism has going back many, many years in ancient cultures tended to be a religion that was more inclusive and supportive of people with disabilities. Um, and I don't know the specifics of that. I wasn't there, um, but that was something I found really interesting um, to hear. And it's interesting to hear it so specifically laid out here. Yeah, there is some, I mean, I will say this, my, one of my classmates in rabbinical school um, is, is deaf. And um, so we talked about this a lot, you know, had um, ASL interpreters in every class, you know, something that I was really aware of in terms of inclusivity of our discussion and how, it, how I would enunciate and speak in order to be make sure that I was understood as part of our part of our classes. He uses hearing aids as well, and um, you know, just a, a really uh, deep human being and uh, spiritual teacher. As a friend of mine, Darby Lee is his name, and but part of what he was he taught me through school was just you know yes, there is this, but there is also 
some stuff in our tradition that is difficult in terms of inclusivity of folks with disabilities and particularly the deaf. And for many centuries of our history, deaf people were often treated as if they were mentally deficient because people didn't know, you know, because the, the communication modes that we now have weren't available because of other cultural predispositions and, you know, prejudices against them. Um, and, you know, whether, for example, could a deaf person count in a minion was questioned up until very, very recently. Um, so we've got both, you know, as always, it's like never just one, one great thing, but we've also got that. But you said also both, meaning figurative is another way to read it. So how would you read that verse figuratively? When you know someone's struggling with something, don't deliberately put something in place to make it more difficult. Um, I don't know. I feel like when I read this, it's a lot of things that when you really boil it down to it are things that probably a five-year-old could explain to you to some degree. Don't steal. Don't be a jerk. Treat people as you want to be treated. But obviously life becomes more complicated as you get older, but it is interesting how when you, well, at least to me, when you read it like this, it does seem like not very straight the one of the very few parts of the torah that at least to me comes across as fairly straightforward yeah ryan what are your thoughts yeah i agree um you know the torah and religious texts in general tend to spring up a lot of debate they tend to bring up a lot of um controversy just on how they're translated how they're interpreted and it seems kind of weird to me, and I'm not saying this is ever up for debate or up for like debate in terms, but that this would have to be something that people feel that there's a controversy over. I, I can't understand why there would ever be an argument to legitimize or normalize making somebody's life deliberately harder. Mm -hmm. And that's granted looking at a very specific part of this. There's also a lot here that deals with um, people who are living in poverty. Um, and, you know, reading this, like at a glance, it seems that like the, they're trying to keep playing field as equal and even as possible in some sense of the word. Um, and it's just, it's very weird to me that this part of text would ever be up for debate or up for like questioning. Like, this is very, it, it gives me the same vibes of somebody questioning this is like somebody is like, this is a very specific comp, uh, very specific example, but like a man coming into a, com a conversation about women's reproductive rights and saying, well, to play devil's advocate. Yeah, or, we went there last well, week. Actually, <laughs> um, same vibes. And like, yeah, you know, I get that like, you think you're smart. Uh, and all that, not like men specifically, this is to men in this context of conversations about women, let me make that clear. Um, like there are some things that don't need to be argued and not making somebody's life deliberately harder should not be argued. I think while we're having this conversation, given what's going on in the world right now, it's also important to bring up race and like, obviously all three of us are white, but 
Um, so that's also important to know. Maybe note. not obvious, but it's good well, to know. Well, not obvious, it. but no, well, as I'm since I can see the three of us sitting right here, right. to me, it's very clear as I'm looking at your faces. Um, people of color's lives are harder and people make it harder for them for no valid reason. Right. And that's not what it says to do here. Yeah. Yeah, but like it's not apparently it's not straightforward for some reason when it when it should be you have what's written here and people who might say oh I follow the Bible yada 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 and then go out and treat people unfairly kill people for no reason other than the color of their skin and then go back and say they follow the law of God they don't it's not applied in those yeah. contexts in many ways. And it's just a unfair truth, but like, there's no way you can't not say it. Agreed. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, a specific context We're we're reading this the day after the Derek Chauvin, you know, the verdict was handed down and, um, you know, um, sadness, relief, some sense of justice, some sense of work to do. There's like, there's so many emotions I think flooding really depends on who you are and how you're, how you're, how you're reacting to us. I think, you know, it is grounding in some way for me at least to come back to a text like this that does make things so simple. That says everybody's life is, is worth something and you can't, you know, taking out your grudges and your vengeance on people. Um, it also, I think there's something in that too about, you know, that's do not deal basely with your countrymen. Um, but you can't, you can't hate people in your heart. So that's interesting because like often we talk about Judaism as a religion of action, but this too, like, I think also points to the need for, you know, the Jewish community, certainly everybody to be um, identifying the biases that we carry, you know, and finding ways to be able to really, you know, unlearn them, you know, and be aware of the ways in which race plays in society and the ways in which we each like take part in, in, in this, in order to bring about a more just world. Um, um, and I think a lot of it comes back to that piece there, love your fellow as yourself. You know, if you can see every other human being as a reflection of God, godliness, or just as, just as much as yourself, regardless of your feeling about God, you know, like if you can take everybody else as just as important as you, we would all be in a better world, you know? Um, all right, so I'm going on to the next part, which we can maybe talk about more from a more analytical standpoint because it's not necessarily quite as straight up ethical and does deal with some more time bound and uh, religiously bound statutes. But just a few verses later is where we'll pick up here. Uh, Ryan, you wanna read this one? Yeah. Um, you shall not round off the side growth on your head or destroy the side growth of your beard. You shall not make gashes in your flesh for the dead or incise any marks on yourselves. I am the Lord. Do not degrade your daughter and make her a harlot. Lest the land fall into harlotry and the land be filled with depravity. You shall keep my Sabbaths and venerate my sanctuary. I am the Lord. Do not turn to ghosts and do not inquire of familiar spirits to be defiled by them. I am the Lord and your God. You shall rise before the aged and show deference to the old. You shall fear your God. I am the Lord. 
When a stranger resides with you in your land, you shall not wrong him. The stranger who resides with you shall be to you as one of your citizens. You shall love him as yourself, for you were strangers in the land of Egypt. I, the Lord, am your God. You shall not falsely measure, you shall not falsify measures of length, weight, or capacity. You shall have an honest balance, honest weights, and honest, an honest, Ifa, and an honest hin. I, the Lord, am your God who freed you from the land of Egypt. So a lot mixed in there. Some things you would see as the maybe ethical and some are more like, I don't know, you know, religious specific kind of things. Um, the, that first verse about rounding off, rounding off the side growth on your head, that's where we get, you know, religious pay us. Uh, yeah. Right. Right. Or people not shaving um, typically uh, among the ultra Orthodox. The, you shall not make gashes in your flesh for the dead or incise any marks on yourselves. That's the traditional uh, prohibition on tattoos. That's where it comes from, if you were wondering. Oh. Um, and uh, some, so there's interesting discussion among that, among, among the rabbis and get into that, you know, like Jews with tattoos, is it really the worst thing in the world? Do you really not get to be buried in the Jewish cemetery? By the way, the answer is no, like that. It's not, it's not any worse than any other uh, prohibition, like, you know, breaking Shabbat or keeping kosher or anything like that. Um, and there's at least one rabbi who, uh, who has this very narrow interpretation who just says, well, the only tattoo you can't get is the one that says, I am the Lord, because that's what it says at the end of that pasuk, at the end of that verse. <laughs> so, you know, there's something rely on there. Um, and then, then we get to the harlotry. Like malicious that. compliance. Yeah, right. <laughs> I like that. Uh, the harlotry, the Sabbaths, the ghosts, the aged, strangers, and all of that, and then the honest weights. Um, anything that you would see as common themes here, or what, you know, how would you connect one to the other? How do you understand these? Yeah. Sort of maybe barring the payas and the shaving, because I don't quite understand that part. Um, but kind of looking at the rest of it, almost like you want to live a pure life. And contextually, like historically, like this text makes sense. I have some thoughts on like the women being harlots, like, mm, you know, I think we should accept that and quite frankly, live your best life. Um, but contextually looking at it at like as a Bible verse or a Torah verse, I understand where it's, I understand like the general idea that's behind it. Um, but what like it reads to me is just like living a pure life in quotes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the like you said, Ryan, with the I when I read the harlot thing, I was like, what? But I kind when I read it, I was like, why are they saying like to men to do that for their daughters? Like, why are they putting that in their control? And then I was like, oh, let's go back and back and back in time, telling some guy not to be like oh, if you give me eight goats, you can have my daughter and she can be our, I don't know, but that's kind of, I don't know, in this time period, I guess, the way I kind of took it when I tried to place in that context was like trying to keep women or these daughters safe because like at that time it was like property of their father and I don't know exactly, but trying to prevent fathers from kind of like selling off their daughters into unsafe, dangerous situations or non-consensual situations. Um, God being like, don't, don't do that. Right. Which is good. Yeah. 
another thing that can be complicated in terms of what does that mean today but that's kind of my interpretation of it placed in the context of this time period and while I think a better thing to say would be don't view your daughter as your property and let her make her own safe choices looking back to it that interpretation kind of made more sense to me yeah if I'm going to be sold into harlotry I'm worth at least I'm worth at least 10 goats (laughs) perhaps 11 uh, I took a quiz on the internet called how many goats are you worth I think it was nine Leah, you're worth at least 11 goats and perhaps even two chickens. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> wow. I definitely uh, I should take that quiz. Didn't even know that that was a thing. It's pretty cool. Um, yeah, I think that some of this also, it's very contrasted with the land of Egypt. Um, is it here? Maybe it's not in these verses, but there's other places in the Torah portion where it says like, don't do like the people did in the land of Egypt or don't or, or don't do like the people who are the current denizens of the land of Canaan do because I'm going to kick them out and then you get to have a land whole other issue there. Right. But um, so there is, there is this kind of paragon of ethical behavior that's sort of held up. Yeah. How many goats? All right. We'll take a look at that. Um, what about, speaking of goats, let's go to ghosts. Do not turn to ghosts and do not inquire of familiar spirits. Uh, any, any thoughts on that one, guys? I guess it's kind of another way of translating into like, do not worship kind of false idols or whatever, another interpretation of that in other religions, like a big aspect of them is like praying to your ancestors and that kind of thing. So I feel like, when I read it, once I get past the kind of like ghost Halloween, like boo part, I'm like, obviously not that kind of ghost is not what's being talked about. Um, it kind of translates to me as being another aspect of like, there's only one God. This is the only God you should pray to. Because in other traditions, people that are in the afterlife are part of who you pray to and who's in control, what's going on in the world and that kind of thing. That's kind of what I get from it. Yeah, I think that's that's definitely meant to be part of it. There's also, it's this idea, I think there's some sense of like the seance aspect or of looking to ghosts to be predicting the future or telling you things that you wouldn't know otherwise. Um, and what's kind of interesting is that this actually happens in the book of Samuel, the book that Saul, who's the king before David, like actually does consult someone who like basically brings back the spirit of Samuel to like tell him something. And he's like, basically says like, why are you doing this? Um, so, you know, sometimes this is, you could say it's foreshadowing. Um, but then I, I think the other one that also is one of the more, the stronger kind of Jewish verses in the Torah that we also talk about like a Passover is um, when a stranger resides with you, you know, do not wrong them and you shall love the stranger for you yourselves were strangers in the land of Egypt. Um, but coming back to what we said in the end of the, the last little part that we read, which is not just, you could say that like love your neighbor as yourself, like only maybe applies to one's fellow Jew, but this clearly applies to, and others will reinterpret that other ways, by the way, um, but contextually it may. However, here, it's very clear that they're saying, 
no matter who the person is, like, you know, if that person is with you, treat them, treat them with full respect because you too stood in their place. Um, and I think that speaks to particularly as Jews who have suffered oppression in our own history, looking and understanding the plight of others who are suffering oppression too is important. You know, that that's a part of our tradition in a really deep way. Um, in a different way, you talked about how this is like making a point that they don't live like they lived in the land of Egypt. And this is sort of a contrast to when we talked about like sacrificing animals because it was like something that they did in the land of Egypt and God's like oh if you want to do sacrifices in the land like you did in the land of Egypt if you're sacrificing to me that's fine and then he's like but you can't do anything else that you brought from the land of Egypt harlotry or turning to spirits um so I don't know like kind of weird but to sort of go back, that was one thought I had like earlier then to like bring it back to the conversation we're having about treating, you know, strangers with kindness. Like, I think like if you were to maybe try and contextualize this in a modern way, I sort of take this as like, we talked about it, like at the end of the day, we're all human and we're all deserving of basic human respect at like the very 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 least and to take it maybe even one step further like it's almost telling people I think if you were to look at it in a modern context to like kind of get over themselves and look past their biases and look past their prejudices and like just see people as humans um and granted you know, contextually, I'm putting it very simply, there's obviously lots more to it, um, not to take away from that, but like at its basis, like, again, it's weird that this would ever be debated. No, but you know what? I think you're speaking to a, a sociological phenomenon that people over, over the course of history, um, and I, want, I don't wanna say right or wrong, I wanna say wrongly, have, used difference as a reason to not see another person as a full person, right? Whether the, and that whether it's race, religion, sexuality, ability, whatever you wanna call it. And, and you're right, this is something that's very deeply entrenched in our tradition that says like, we don't, we don't play that way. Like that's just not what it means to be Jewish at a deep level, it's really about humans are humans um, and every human has value. Yeah. Um, yeah. The thing is, yeah, there are these laws with the Torah says, and a lot of people go around and say it and say these are important to them, but do it when it's convenient or do it for a certain kind of person or turn their head the other way so they pretend something isn't happening so they don't feel like they have to do something about it. Yeah. I Ryan and I both aren't afraid to call things out as we've learned the past few weeks and I just like it's great that these like values are so important and clear in Judaism but it'd be nice if people could pay more attention to making making sure that they're following these laws which are very very important and 
very, very much apply no matter what day you're in, unless to be like, there's this one small thing that's highly under debate that's like against like homosexuality. Like why are you saying one is this huge deal and kind of letting another one slide that is like actually important and kind of overturns the actions they may put towards just because I know that's also in this portion, even though we're not talking about it, like people who are gay and treating them horribly because maybe this one smaller section in the tour that goes against all these other things that are said. It yeah. doesn't say love your straight neighbor, love your white neighbor. Like, no, it doesn't say any of those things. It just says love your neighbor. You don't get to pick who moves in around you. It's whoever shows up. It's everyone. <laughs> and to add on to, I was reading this really interesting piece on like the translation that like bans homosexuality. And I think it may have been like sort of more in the context of a Christian Bible. So, you know, obviously do research, but the translation isn't man shall not lie with man. It's man, like at the basis, it's man shall not lie with boy which is very different than man shall not lie with man. Because one of those is a god-awful illegal thing. And it's not man shall lie with man. Yeah, I mean, well, that may be a translational issue because the, the, the verse itself is, does not specify boy in it. Um, however, I would say at least one of the translations translator that I saw, it was really about consent that you can really read that particular verse as being about like, um, non-consensual rape, you know, between them and that that is not okay. Um, yeah. others say that it's about being in a cult, like a, a religio sexual mm -hmm. act that that's part of maybe this thing about harlotry at the top that like certain religions had like um, prostitute, sort of like acts of prostitution taking place as part of the temple cults within those religions. And that that may have been part of what was going on in other religions and that that was being um, prohibited. But whatever way you read, I think that part, part there's two things that you bring up, Leah, to bring us back to the kind of the main point here. One that, you know, um, the Torah is not one document that all makes that doesn't contradict itself. Like it, there's some parts that seem contradictory to others. And if you just read it all straight through as one document and say like, I'm just gonna follow all of this, it doesn't totally work in modern day. You do in some sense have to be able to make sense of it. And part of what we've been doing over these you know, months now is doing that kind of translation and interpretation work to figure out what of this matters to us? What of this comes through to us and what do we value and what, how do we react to it? Um, and the other is the action, not words part, which is, yeah, these are great words, but what actions do we have to be able to live out these words of not treating the stranger as a stranger, of loving them as, as ourselves? Um, and I think that's a good question maybe to end on here is just how do we put some of these into action? Because these are not, uh, while they make sense and they're sort of, duh, you know, the way that the world is right today there's a lot of work to be done to making sure that these things actually make sense in people's lives, like actually make a difference. All right, well, 
Answers we'll continue to be looking for and working towards, but I think that's just, it's in the work. Anything else you guys want to share your reaction to any of this? I was going to say, yeah, there's contradictions in the Torah, but this is one portion. <laughs> Same one. Yeah. yeah. The portion, but portion nonetheless, it's all in there. And there's the good, the bad, and the ugly. And, you know, that is our tradition. Sometimes we're going to find things like that really work. And sometimes we're going to find things that we've got to work, we've got to interpret. And interpretation, that is part of our tradition. Like that's always been a part of Jewish tradition. Um, we've got to find ways to sort of adapt some of the values to the ways that we see as our core values today. All right, guys, it's been a great week. Um, we are getting back into and more next week, which is a little bit more Leviticus, little priestly and all that stuff. And then we got one more week of Leviticus and then we've finished a whole book of the Torah, which is pretty amazing. So I'm wishing you a, a great week. This has been Spiniverse. Thanks, everybody.